Welcome to Live the Light of Yoga, a podcast where we explore yogic principles as they apply to our personal lives and our daily unfolding. I'm your host, Christina Sell. Hey, everybody. It's Christina here. Hey, Britt. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm happy to be back with you, um, seated at my brand new desk in my new home in Denver. And uh, yeah, grateful to be here. How about you, Christina? I'm doing really good too. And uh, so you are back from from Hawaii. You're back on the mainland. I am. Yeah, we've, you know, obviously our listeners have noticed we've been off air for a bit and both you and I going through some transitions. And my big transition was kind of surprising myself by moving back to Denver, which I had left from in 2020 to the big island of Hawaii. Um, and yeah, I made my way back here. I was feeling the the shift last spring to make a change and wasn't really sure what to do. So in the not knowing came to be with family and just found it felt right again to be here. Um, so I made the I made the plans, I made the intentions, I sold a lot of stuff and um, I'm resetting up home in Denver. Feels really good to be back. Oh, that's so great. And uh, it does seem in this week that we're recording, we'd be, I guess, remiss if we didn't mention that there are wildfires burning and great loss of life and devastation to the people in Hawaii. So our hearts, prayers, thoughts, and hopefully uh, those of you listening, donations as well can go out in solidarity and support to what's happening in Hawaii. Yeah, glad that you are safe, sound, and your changes happened outside of that. It's very interesting timing to be talking about your transition, knowing that where you just came from is really under a big, big challenge right now. Real, it is, it is, you know, and it's, it's especially. um, I think it's worth noting. It's devastating what's happening in Maui and the wildfires and the impact on the residents and the indigenous folks, the native folks of that land. Um, And something I'm really witnessing having spent time on the island is that the conversation that's really being amplified has been there all along. The wildfires are a result of the resources being totally depleted the land being continuously um, overexerted for really like the benefits of tourism mostly. Um, and something that gets said a lot in Hawaii is that there are two Hawaii's. There's the, the Hawaii that gets visited um, and there's the Hawaii on the land that people are living, both of native root and not. And um, I'd love to include in the show notes a handful of places to donate that I've found that are quite grassroots and are really being led and organized by the folks that live there and understand what's needed. Um, And another really big thing that's happening is uh, people are already trying to buy up land, uh, those of extreme wealth to turn it around back into a golf course, into tourist space. And so beyond donations and money to just stay aware Um, And in the conversation around really important uh, political uh, conversations and and just who has access to the land as as the um, 
the rebuilding will begin and already has begun at a grassroots level of the residents there. So um, I'll make a list in the show notes. And if you're able to donate, please do, if nothing else, to, to listen, to stay informed, to consider um, all the different ways that we can contribute from afar means a lot. And, I, and I'm, I'm hearing that again and again from the folks that I still know um, over on the island. So seems to me like that working distinction to make between contributing and also consuming. Yes. You know, putting those two things in, in, a, in a relationship with one another that as tourists, uh, we would go there and consume it mm-hmm. and consume the beauty and consume all of the resources there and uh, we have an opportunity to contribute. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm glad to know that there's some resources that you can offer us and, um, and even just the information like that, the clarity around what you're saying about the fires being an amplification of a conversation you were part of as you lived there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for some time. All right. Yeah. I was thinking too, as you were talking that, um, you went back to family. And so family is kind of a theme for me as well. And the last time that we've been on a break, my dad has moved here to an independent living community right down the road for me. And so that's been really up for me in terms of a lot of life lessons coming my way. And then through the circumstances that facilitated that change and conversations within our family, and then also getting to spend time with him and learning who he is now at this stage in his life and who I can be and who I am in relationship to him during these life transitions for both of us. So that's kind of rich uh, territory. And as per usual, I was traversing some of that territory in therapy and uh, we were chit-chatting about that a little bit before we turned on the record today. And uh, One of the things that I was telling you about, and I'll tell our listeners now, is I was sitting with him and listening to him talk about his life. My dad is 85. Um, He grew up in very humble poverty type circumstances in rural Georgia and um, really overcame a pretty uh, violent family system with some mental illness and challenges in that way and uh, got himself through college, got a doctorate degree, you know, made money in corporate America and (laughs) And uh, had a really this very interesting dynamic life, and I was, and he's in a in a independent living community. And I was saying to him, you know, Dad, uh, there's some interesting people here. They they really lived interesting full lives, and he goes, they really have. And he said, and I said, so have you? And he said, yeah, you know, I feel really good about what I've done with my life. Mm-hmm. And I said, you have. A little bit of backstory is that I've had a different agenda for how my dad should age. You know, a little bit of wishing that he wanted to do more or go out more or having some idea that whatever 85 is supposed to look like for him, he's not quite doing it right, you know? And it sounds awful to say out loud, and it kind of is, I guess, on one level, but I wasn't conscious about it, you know, just kind of putting this uh, overlay onto things, a set of ex- expectations. And it really did help me to hear his perspective, of course, where he said, I only thing that I really feel mm, bad about is that your, your mom, he calls it my mom's early demise. It's like your mom's early demise. <laughs> and 
he said, but I really feel like maybe I could be accomplishing more still, but I, I feel good about what I've done. And he named some of his accomplishments, you know, getting his doctorate degree and getting out of his hometown and being married to mom and having us, we got to be on the list and helping mentor all of these people in, in his uh, professional life come up in their own professional lives. And he goes, so I just don't feel like I have much left to prove anymore. And it was a great viewpoint on his perspective at 85 versus my perspective on what I think 85 should be for somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was telling this, of course, to my therapist, and she said that Carl Jung said uh, that at 85, our life task is not so much about looking back, that a lot of times we do think, oh, and when you're older, all you're going to be doing is looking back at your life, you know? <laughs> and she said he thought that 85 and that later phase of life would be really about looking forward to death. And she went on to say, however, you and your life task in your 50s is consolidating some of your life journey and seeing for yourself like what you've learned this far, what you're going to keep and take forward, what you need to leave behind and, and consolidating in that in such a way that you are in a relationship with some sort of legacy, some sort of, you know, if you're interested in that. Um, and that's a different life task. And of course, we've talked about in our podcast before those different life tasks that come about in the earlier phases of our adulthood, where we're developing our identities and finding our work ways in the world and how we're going to navigate those different life tasks. So that's been a big conversation that's going on for me in my personal life. And um, that got me thinking about the next iteration of our podcast together. <laughs> yep. And here we are having that, you know, the check-in on our previous uh, thematic idea of creativity and kind of letting the wind blow us where it will. Um, Right. And at the same time, finding that when we let the wind blow us, um, it mostly blows us into life. (laughs) So yeah, having this conversation to say, what is it we need to be be sharing here together? And um, what are the what are the aspects of the conversation we need to be having to which you were noting it was 20 years ago that you published your first book. And here we are in this contemplation and reflection of, you know, the different life cycles um, and how this book is, you know, it's, it's now 20 years. It's a 20 year old being, if you will. And that that might be exactly the conversation we need to be having now, which is what are the aspects of that conversation that remain true? What pieces have shifted and or what pieces within your within you as the author, as the, the heartbeat of that book that have shifted looking back on it 20 years later? And also having space, we were talking about having space for you at about the same age I was when I was writing this book and having it published and you being in that period of life yourself, but also part of a different generation, Mm -hmm. being a millennial reading these concepts at this time in the evolution of our country's life and of our planet's life. Mm -hmm. And also uh, me being super Gen X, you know, writing the book when I did at the time that I did. And then also the subtext of the evolution of the yoga communities and the yoga culture and the yoga industry over time, because when this book was written, 
I was telling you, there was no social media. <laughs> Hard to fathom, really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm that old, Brit. <laughs> I mean, me too. I lived without it, but. <laughs> we don't know how we lived without it. Uh, so even back in, even back in the early 2000s, uh, you know, there was issues with how the yoga body was portrayed. Mm. There were images there and we weren't being bombarded with the same images, uh, that we are now at the same rate and the same volume. Mm -hmm. There wasn't the same, there was an influencer culture, but much more subdued. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, I was thinking about this the other day that how, it, uh, you know, yoga was a lot beginning to be really quite pop, more and more popular at that time, but it was still yoga teachers worried about being thought of as weird. And that's not such a thing anymore. That used to come up in every single yoga teacher training I ever did was what if people think I'm weird? Like now it's not a weird thing to do. It's kind of a mainstream thing to do. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really less fringe and uh, we see it everywhere. So that's been, you know, a different Thing that's been happening too in the last of these 20 years we also talked about wanting to invite our listeners to reflect on their own journeys with their bodies and their own journeys with these themes and how they've uh what stayed the same what's changed and uh, how some of these concepts land for them at different life cycles and in different uh, life cycles within our, our shared experiences yeah so that's that's our intention we have one y'all we have an intention. We have an aim. Um, but I think for now, I'd really love, Christina, to just hear, for anyone who maybe hasn't read the book, doesn't yet have it on their bookshelf, if you could give us a little overview of um, what's the book about and to the best of your ability to remember back 20 years ago and um, why, was this, why was this the project that you took on? Um, that's still clearly alive for you 20 years later. <laughs> I think one of the best ways to answer that question and speak to it is just to read the introduction mm. that I wrote back in the day. And it's not too long, so you can do part podcast, part audio book, part book club, part <laughs> slash. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The title of the book is Yoga from the Inside Out, Making Peace with Your Body Through Yoga by Christina Sell, published by Home Press. Mm -hmm. This is for the introduction. It starts with a quote from BKS Iyengar. Before we can find peace among nations, we have to find peace inside that small nation, which is our own being. This book is about yoga and body image. More specifically, this book is about the journey through the issues of addiction, self-love, and spiritual practice. One year into my study of Anusara Yoga, a style of Hatha Yoga that integrates universal principles of alignment, the art of inner body awareness, and the celebration of the heart, I wrote an essay, Anusara Yoga as a Peace Offering, about what I was learning in and through my yoga practice. I shared a copy of this essay with John Friend, the founder of Anusara Yoga. Several weeks later, he read the essay aloud during an intensive workshop. I felt many emotions as the words of my life story were anonymously read aloud to 70 people. I felt the pain I had lived with my whole life. 
the pain of hating my body, of doubting my essential worthiness to such a degree that my body became a battlefield in my desperate attempts to prove myself worthy of love and to numb myself to the fear that I was fundamentally flawed. I felt compassion for myself for how much I had struggled. I felt hopeful and grateful for what I was learning and for the new relationship I was developing with my body. Most importantly, I began to feel a layer of shame being lifted from me. As John read, people nodded, cried, and received my story with compassion, understanding, and empathy. The effect of such a response was that I felt blessed, understood, and transformed by the power of the group's acceptance. I was able to see the many different people in the room all relating to some aspect of being at war with the body and the self. I knew I was not alone. Returning home from the intensive, I had many conversations with my yoga students and friends about their issues with self-acceptance, body image, compulsive exercising, and food-related struggles. Some people shared with me that they were in the throes of their own personal war. Others described surfacing from the depths of their process with insight and reasons to celebrate. I began to realize that I had something I could offer people who were dealing with the issues of body image, self-love, and spiritual awakening. I envisioned a book that would honestly describe the ongoing struggles that many people have with their bodies and their self-esteem and how the practice of yoga helps them to manage these challenges. I dreamed of a book that would honor and celebrate those who attempt to end a war with themselves. Hopefully the book would expand our perception of beauty and offer us a chance to glimpse a greater possibility and purpose in and through the practice of Hatha Yoga. I have written the book that I have needed to read. In so doing, I've realized the age-old adage that you teach best what you most need to learn. Be that as it may, this book is my offering of peace to myself and perhaps to someone else who is ready to practice the yoga of self-love. In Sanskrit, the word abhyasa means tireless practice with devotion over a long period of time. Surrendering to the demand of abhyasa is the real message of this book. Making peace with the body is a practice, not an event. The practice is a journey through which we confront our fears and our conditioning and receive the opportunity to glimpse the greatness of our true nature. And what's really interesting in reading that aloud was just feeling a little tender-hearted and a little verklempt at times, just a little... <laughs> choked up remembering some of those moments and uh, that was a time of a lot of learning and growth and um, a feeling of possibility and um, there was kind of innocence and naivete in, in um, I think in terms of my own path at that time because I was new in Anusara yoga and it was still growing with all of this vibrancy so it was really uh, shadow sides of that can do later and this was also when I was in a flush of new love with the spiritual teacher and so in uh, 20 years later I feel the kind of beauty of that time but also an awareness of I was really in the process of becoming radicalized at that time <laughs> in these two sort of what would become pretty high demand groups and uh, but really seeing that that's how the, some of that got started was that I really was being served in these communities with some really uh, wonderful help assistance camaraderie compassion mm -hmm. and uh, 
that all in all, I can look back on that time with, with really a lot of affection and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I do think that even though I gave lip service in the book to, um, not lip service, I mean, I was telling the truth, but of it being a process and a, not a destination, I can see now how I don't think I really knew the degree that it would just be a process. Mm. <laughs> That I wouldn't really have it ever all figured out. Some part of me knew it. Uh, Lee, you know, my teacher, he would say uh, that when we write, uh, a lot of times we're writing a little bit ahead of ourselves. Hmm. You know, that some wise part of us that it's not that we don't know it, but we're really often writing ahead of what we've been able to embody and integrate. Yeah. It's like the map of where you're aiming to integrate your body. Yeah. And I can see that in my own writing that I knew it, but I know it more now. Yeah. Well, and I'm, you know, listening to you read that written. So it was published 20 years ago, probably more than 20 years ago. And the clarity of the intention, what this book is, what it's meant to offer. And as you were reading, I was remembering um, finding my way into your classroom really having no idea who you were (laughs) six years ago or so. And, you know, first being struck by the clarity of the teaching and the asana and the way that you made, made space for me to come to a new layer of depth in my own physical practice. And it wasn't right away. I think it was maybe the second or third workshop that I was in with you that you, you shared about your experience with, Um, disordered eating and compulsive exercise. And, you know, as a kind of lost 27 year old at the time, really being in that space with myself and, and being like, Oh my God, of course, of course this teacher like can speak to this. And of course I've found her here. And um, you know, that's what, like 14 years after you'd written the book and that aim and that you were still embodying and living that practice that process of healing of self-love in a way that was still um magnetizing you know me as a student toward you and so yes it was a process but I I and is a process and I'm hearing um the power of a really authentic steady deep vulnerable intention like you knowing 20 years ago what you meant to be doing with your yoga and, you know, that caught me 14 years later as your student. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. There's more to be said. Much more will be said. We'll be back in the next week or so um, with another aspect of, of this conversation from this book on this alive process. And yeah, I'm looking forward to being here with you, Christina, and with all of you listeners. for tuning into this episode of Live the Light of Yoga. I'm really looking forward to the conversations that will unfold as we move through Christina's book, Yoga from the Inside Out. I've added in the show notes a link if you don't yet have this book on your bookshelf and you want to purchase it, read along with us as we move into these conversations. 
There's also a link in the show notes to our Patreon page, which is a financially flexible option to support the production of this podcast. If you're able, Christina and I are so grateful for your monthly contributions. And if not financial, liking the podcast, subscribing, following, sharing with your community is incredibly supportive. Thank you again for your time, your attention, and for being here with us. Talk to you soon.